The July sitting of Tynwald saw a number of significant announcements from Chief Minister Alf Cannon, which could radically alter the social and physical landscape of our island. So why is government doing this? In this extended agenda, the Chief Minister explains in some depth his government's thinking in developing this bold ambition. I began by asking Mr Cannon why this strategy is needed. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, as, as I said in, the, in my opening remarks, this has been the culmination of, of 15 months direct work and some considerable thought beforehand. Uh, Covid gave us time to reflect on the island's economy. There was obviously going to be a need for a recovery programme in terms of our economic focus. But I think we did sit there at the time and say, well, what is the future for the island now? Is it time now to make sure that we're more focused and targeted and we know what we're striving to achieve? And this really is the culmination of that. We've got extensive reports um, which are being released at the moment and everybody will have access to that has given us a wealth of information in, in various areas. And this is the headline government response, which I think is ambitious, it's specific, it's targeted, and it sets us on a course that I think will help government deliver not only just a better economy for the island, but also better public services and a better environment for people. And it, I set it out um, in terms of the headlines uh, with four key policy uh, achievables or four key policy pillars, 100,000 uh, population by 2037, a £10 billion economy by 2032, £200 million of additional government revenue, pillar three uh, by 2032. And the fourth pillar is uh, a sustainability agenda that really provides the platform uh, for uh, renewable energy and sustainability when it comes to climate change to be at the heart of our thought pro process and programme. And of course, your term in office uh, comes to an end in 2026. Uh, what, what, what significant difference are we likely to see by then? Well, I, I think first and foremost, the, the critical thing here, there's been a lot of drift over the years. We talk about, for example, the working population and growing the working po population. Nobody ever really has defined what that means, um, by how many. Uh, we see that uh, in a number of our towns, for example, that uh, while some regeneration has taken place, there is still a number of brownfields and empty sites that have not really delivered on their potential and we've not maximised the vibrancy of our towns. Um, we've had a lot of uh, planning issues with in terms of housing, for example, that's drifted. I don't think any focus has been brought to government and we're paying the penalty for that now and trying to play a game of catch up effectively in, in terms of making sure our housing is right. So in all and a huge number of areas and including renewable energy, for example, um, Phil, I feel that there is plenty of evidence to say that we've been drifting. Yes, we've made the right noises, but there's not really been that focus and that target attached um, to, to this in, in so many different areas of government policy um, for that, that ultimately benefit um, us all. I think what this does now, it brings focus, it brings headline targets, and that means that we can work backwards and set out uh, targeted achievements along the route to meeting these uh, year-based um, targets in 2037, 2032, and indeed the target in 2030, which is incorporated within this strategy to have 100% renewable energy available to us at that point. 
KPMG has, has produced a very large report, the findings of which lie behind this economic strategy. Um, how did the report differ from similar reports which would have been left behind by the Brown and Bell administrations? And will the, the report be released and how much does it cost? Well, the report is being released now. And uh, one, one of the things I, I want to do is to make sure that there's easy public access to this data and information. Uh, and as I just, you and I were having a quick chat before I came on air, that um, the government at website at times can be uh, pretty dif- difficult to, to navigate and that's got to be sorted out. But I, I need to make sure people can get proper access to, to, to the data and information so they can understand how the government has, has arrived at um, its response. I think the nature of the work that's been undertaken um, the extensive analysis uh, and consultation that's ta- taken place of our economy, the indicators and the graphs and the charts that have been produced will show overall that there is a risk um, that if we do not be more ambitious and seek to perhaps change some of the trajectories that we are on as an island, uh, and particularly when it comes to our demographics, particularly when it comes to our the makeup of our uh, businesses and, and uh, different sectors of our economy, particularly when it comes to our sustainability agenda and particularly when it comes to our government revenues, then there is a danger that we're going to get uh, eight, ten years down the road and find that we are in a period um, of managed decline because we've simply failed to really get to grips early enough with some of these key challenges and um, particularly when it comes to sustainability uh, and the renewable program we are behind you know that that is pretty clear and obvious I think on what KPMG have come along and said to us and said other countries are receiving millions and millions of pounds from now offshore um, developments wind farm developments predominantly uh, and are feeding this and all part of their significant renewable programs and so far, we've done nothing. And for we've been trying to do something since 2013, 12, and possibly earlier, maybe. Um, and this is just not really acceptable. It's not ambitious enough. But more importantly, we're going to let ourselves down in the future unless we get with this program. And we've only got uh, a decade or so, 12 years, before, in theory, the, the, the gas turbines need to be effectively replaced and restructured and and we would need a new power station uh, to take us forward if we were going to continue to rely on gas. So we need to set out a number of these these ambitions, these headline ambitions contain within them significant uh, policy directives effectively um, that now need to be achieved. So when you ask that question, what, what's this going to mean? Uh, it will mean that we will be able to report back um, to people um, with clear targets in mind for the future, but also demonstrate people that we are providing for example energy security for the future that we are going to create an island uh, that delivers better public services that's a more vibrant uh, economy that creates more diversity diversity when it comes to jobs and numbers and behind that and underpin that I hope will be the fact that we will be delivering better public services. John Remington, uh, there's a blast from the past, famously uh, probably lost his seat for a number of reasons, but one of the the headline reasons he lost lost his seat was for identifying and 
probably saying in, in inappropriate language that um, pensioners are a drain on society. Now, I don't think he meant it in quite that way, but ultimately what the figures are showing, and indeed, you know, I, I've, I've had at the pit of my stomach this uh, uneasy feeling, at least for 10 years now, that we haven't really addressed this. What we have is a reducing number of people supporting those who have retired or indeed those who are uh, you know, still still to, to have their education children and and, and, and so on and, and this is the, the the fundamental problem here isn't it and this is the the big problem that has to be addressed somehow so those who who may criticize the uh, the ambition um, actually uh, perhaps need to to, to 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 look at the stark reality which is we 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 simply can't carry on like this, can we? Well, I think, yeah, I, I, this really shouldn't be an argument about the elderly or the young or what suits which generation. This is about building for for, for the future. This is about benefiting everybody in um, society. And and Phil, you know, I'm a big believer in the sort of one nation uh, principles and and terms of you know building for for, for everybody uh, and. You know, yes, we, we do need to be in a position, um, however, that we are bringing forward policies that are relevant and pertinent. We are only a small island. You know, we only have a certain uh, land mass and landscape and capability and infrastructure capability. Um, but we do need to make sure that we are on a on a proper pathway to <clears throat> ensuring that we have the, the right balance um population that we have the, the balance in the economy that ensures that we that we are sustainable into the to the future you know we don't want to get into a situation where you have a sort of 60 percent uh non-working um or dependent population and, and a 40 percent working age population it's that that sort of makeup is going to cause us significant problems and they're the sort of trajectory that's being indicated within the analysis being done by um kpmg but more importantly i think there are other benefits to be to, to be had that we should think about here, and that is uh, a more sustainable environment, better environment for some of our smaller businesses, for our retail businesses, for our hospitality businesses, um, that would give them a larger pool. And, and if we can build uh, the island successfully and create the vision, and we're doing that with brownfield site regeneration by now looking at make, changing the emphasis in the way that, that, that planning is being dealt with, uh, we released a uh, built environment reform program to help with major major uh, applications, new new customer charter when it comes to planning. Uh, and also there's this real focus now through the Max Development Corporation and our Brownfield Site Regeneration Committee to make progress in terms of helping our towns regenerate um, by bringing people back into town. So there's, there's real benefits here, Phil, to this program. Um, which which will which are sensible, pragmatic uh, solutions attached to them, and don't mean, for example, that we're going to see widespread uh, greenfield site development because there's a lot we can do with our existing within our existing infrastructure and within our existing boundaries. And this this uh, it's I suppose a, a criticism of sorts, but uh, uh, it's this is the classic thing: is that you come forward with a, with a bold vision and then uh, you you get criticised for not coming forward with it sooner. But there is a, a fair argument that would suggest that the previous administration 
knew much of what's in this report in terms of where the problems lie, um, but there wasn't an awful lot by way of action. And I, you know, I'm happy happy to shoulder some of the blame too. The administration before that had similar statistics. It was blatantly obvious that where we were was largely unsustainable and significant change needed to happen. Is it a fair criticism to level at the previous administration that not enough was done? Well, I don't... You know, I, I, I try not to look back. I think we need to look to look forward. Um, you know, I, I think what, what I would say is that, is that I feel that we have been um, in drift because we haven't been bold enough to say what our targets are and what needs to happen to address the problems. And yes, you know, of course, you know, in coming forward with bold statements, you do open yourself to significant criticism. Nevertheless, you know, these problems exist. We can't shirk away from it. Uh, and if we are going to, to be um, building a successful society, achieving you know, vibrancy, sustainability, then we do need to set ourselves the, the targets that we need to, to achieve that. Because without these sorts of targets... Well, there is a danger that we continue to drift by just making statements such as, uh, you know, we need to regenerate our towns and then not apply the type of focus that we need to that. Or, for example, housing uh, and not have an understanding of what the island really needs to look like. And I think one. one, So just to take this 100,000 population figure, for me, one of the one of the attractivenesses here is that you can uh, take a whole island view and say, well, how do we now? Where need which which? Where's the spaces that we need for regeneration? Where can we um, help towns um, do that successfully by building more apartments or building more houses within the brownfield site space? Uh, where else on the island does is there regeneration needed? Where where have we predetermined that we already need to build out Jerby? I know it's in my own constituency, Jerby, for example. And everybody recognises that I speak to that we could do with another two, three hundred mixed housing uh, 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 estate um, up there. And why can't we get on and meet, rise up and meet these challenges? And we've now got uh, the toolkit in some respects to do that. The Max Development Corporation, for example, we've seen progress with that already. And that came out of the last administration. Uh, and that was with the old Nobles Hospital site, which has now been um, the old nurses home, which has been regenerated into uh, a mixed complex there. I announced yesterday within the vicinity of that nobles home, they will be bringing forward imminently now uh, public plans for a, for a new mixed residential site development there that's going to help regenerate that area. There's another site in Douglas, which is currently under active consideration, which I hope will be announced also very um, soon. So we are making progress in some of these areas. One of the critical factors in all this that I did make absolutely clear that yesterday in saying that we needed, we estimated about a billion pounds of combined government and private sector investment over the next two years is to enable the private sector to invest. And actually, Phil, you and I know that's been a perennial headache for government for some considerable time. Investors with good ideas, but failing to, to navigate the, the government uh, bureaucracy that can often be attached with government-owned sites, let alone privately-owned sites, but, but government-owned sites. And we, we've got to unpick this. And the Brownfield Regeneration Steering Group um, Regeneration Committee uh, is tasked with that. Uh, and we have made it a national priority in this particular area. Uh, and that's highlighted in our Built Environment Reform Programme, which was also released yesterday. Some 
uh, of the critics that have already uh, emerged uh, via social media, it's a wonderful thing, uh, isn't it, um, have suggested that whilst the, the strategy is big on ambition, and there's no doubt about that, it's, it's very clear, and, and your uh, own delivery is clearly impassioned, and you, you clearly believe, uh, and I'll, you know, I, I have confidence that if anyone's going to drive this through, it's you. Um, but it's very light, on, on actual detail, now, I, I see references uh, in the, uh, the the summaries that or, or, the, or the, the, the what has been released so far to action plans. How how soon are we going to see the action plans? Because ultimately, having the bold vision is all well and good. What people really want to know is what the detail is. How is this actually going to be delivered? Well, we will see these these targets, these these action plans being delivered and and evolved over the next. A uh, few months and indeed years. We can't possibly scope the whole um, program out in detail when you're delivering this. There are specific targets already included um, within the within the documentation. For example, particularly sorry, particularly when it comes to uh, our sustainability for energy. Twenty megawatts of on-island renewables by 2026. In the policy documentation, MUA have got to deliver on that now. 2030, the new interconnector must be in. Uh, that's another target. That's not just about climate change, Phil. This is actually about pragmatic solutions for, for the future as well. Offshore uh, wind, we need to have that up and running by 2032. And uh, as as we uncover the detail of that, um, hopefully we'll be able to bring that date forward. But some of these projects take five or six years to bring to con- to completion and of course the, the difference the, the, is that you are actually setting out clearly what the target is these aspirations have been there from previous governments in the past but this plan actually or the strategy actually sets out the and, target and we have to build back from that to a certain degree and there's a number of policy levers and issues that that uh, that we need to discuss and indeed uh, to, to a large degree have to uh, give people time to discuss this and understand it as well. I mean, this is only released yesterday. There's a lot to take in. And I understand, of course, there will be consternation um, in society and elements of society who will wonder how this is going to be done. Does this mean that we're going to cover the island in housing? And, you know, where where is where is the uh, focus and what are the opportunities? So we need to have quite a long discussion. We're going to do that over the summer. We've got a, a Government conference, uh, Phil, I was used to a chance to publicise this on the 20th and 21st of September, the first ever inaugural government conference. And we're going to have two days of speakers, of Q&As, of discussions, of panel groups, uh, an opportunity to engage with a wide range of um, stakeholders on a number of issues. And then in November, I will ask Tim Wald to support the strategy that we give to them at that point, which I hope will clearly contain these uh, sort of four key pillars. Um, but yes, there's a lot of, there's still a lot to be to be thrashed out. And in terms of the policy levers and, and how we apply them, um, we need to do that in, in, in a considered way. And some of the results will take time to filter through. I think the, um, that, that also doesn't remove the need to deal with the problems of today. This is not a magic solution that's just going to solve all the, pro- the island's problems. Phil, let's, let's, let's be clear about that. You know, there's significant challenges facing today and we've got to overcome those. And, and that, of course, is, is one of the, the biggest hurdles I think you have here. The, the reality on the ground for most young 
economically active people in the Isle of Man is that they can barely afford to live here. They are priced out of the housing market. Uh, and if we're to get to a thousand immigrants uh, a, a year, a thousand new residents coming in uh, as per the strategy, uh, the gap between where we are now and where you want us to be next year is very significant indeed. So how will you achieve this radical transformation uh, and what reassurance can you give to those uh, who have seen a year of this administration uh, fail to address one of the key uh, priorities that was raised at the the last general election, which is the housing crisis. Well, I, d- I think, and well, I disagree with you slightly because we, you know we set up a housing and communities board. Uh, we're already now starting to bring um, some results from that housing and communities board in terms of a program to uh, give people uh, better better access to first time buyer support support schemes and raise thresholds attached to that. We've also got a grip in terms of the numbers of first-time buyers that houses that are being built uh, across the island and we can see there's 200 or so I think from from memory now that are being built by March 2024 uh, in conjunction with with wider ranges wide-ranging developments that are taking place. Um, We've also made the commitments today we're speeding up the planning process for major applications that's going to help I hope in terms of speeding up the uh, the, the house building um, program that's going on and we've also got to uh, we've already highlighted the problems of the 4,000 or so empty or derelict properties around this island that we need to bring back into uh, active use if you like so there is work underway the Nobles Home uh, the, the, the regeneration project I told you at uh, Westmoreland Road and we're going to get that up the plans that we've got for the, the, the mixed-use housing estate and further plans that we're going to bring forward. So things are happening. You can't necessarily just turn that around overnight, but we're on back on it. And, you know, as I said right at the beginning, I'm afraid government t- took its eye off the ball when it came to housing. We've set up the board. We're making progress. And you will see active results. When this time next year, Phil, um, I will be talking to you, I hope, not only about those two sites and the progress that's been made and the numbers of people that are that are scheduled to, to, to fill that, but the other sites that we've brought on stream. And I hope we will also have progress with other sites around um, Douglas, which I, we will be geared towards um, solving the housing problems that we are facing. But this takes time. And uh, the, the critical thing, for me at least, we've got the brought it all back into focus and we're starting to deliver on what needs to be done to help solve it but these you know this this uh, economic strategy also you know sets out to achieve a better island a better society for people more diversity of jobs and employment greater opportunities higher pay for uh, people a better standard of living and there's lots of other detail and policy levers that we need to bring bring around to, to, to make all this happen. So it's a very ambitious document um, and contained within it is, a, is, is the kind of level of detail that starts to talk to and address some of the problems that you're actually raising with me at this point. The vision... Uh, in, in your strategy is clear and bold. The determination and sense of purpose uh, you've demonstrated is admirable. But none of the House of Keys members uh, talked much, if at all, about significant immigration uh, during the last election. 
So you have no mandate from the people to deliver this radical agenda. Um, could you tell us a bit more then about how you're going to engage over the summer uh, with the public and um, how, how, are, how are you going to assess sort of public reaction uh, to this or indeed to convince the public that this is the solution to many of the issues that were discussed at election time? Well, Matt, I think that ultimately... Uh, to, to a degree, the public have to trust in their elected representatives to vote on this kind of thing. And that's why you know, we're not bringing forward a vote until November. Uh, and that gives us a sort of three, three, four, almost four months, really, for people to digest this. It's clear to me, it just can't be the Alf Cannon or Council of Ministers economic strategy as a, as, as a standalone against all the odds. There has to be community understanding and buy-in and of course we're never going to please all of the people all of the time um, in, in, in whatever we do um, that's just the nature of the game and nor on the other hand nor should we be setting out to be a populist uh, government and you know failing to address the hard issues you know and that is part of the role and responsibility that one takes on when you step into this job so this is about judgment, political judgment, of course. The engagement program will be in the form of a written consultation and we'll, we'll, we'll publicise that. I appreciate we don't often get huge responses to this consultation. As I said, we've got a government conference and partly there's a responsibility on all Timwald members now, um, particularly MHKs, but all Timwald members, to engage with their constituents. That's why I told them yesterday, I said, you need to spend the summer talking to your constituents and getting feedback and understanding their views. The important thing is, you know, within all this, though, that we try and retain, you know, the high level understanding uh, that really comes through the KPMG report. That doesn't send the Isle of Man into a spiral if you do nothing, but does highlight that you're taking big risks with future sustainability, future business interest in the island that hasn't progressed, that hasn't tackled the climate change um, issues, hasn't secured its energy supply uh, for the future, doesn't believe in sort of vibrancy and and dynamic environments in some of its towns, for example, Um, and and, and doesn't have that longer-term sustainability. We need to have those conversations, um, Phil. That's what we're going to do over the summer, and Tim will, will vote. But I have to address this with passion because... I fundamentally believe in it. And in fact, uh, this, believe it or not, in some ways reflects a statement that I made uh, or debate that I tried to uh, initiate in Timwell back in 2014, where I sort of said that actually if we were bold enough to set ambitious targets, we would enable ourselves to build with confidence, know what we were doing in terms of our targets, get our infrastructure projects to the level that, that, that we need. Um, and, and I hope actually bring about efficiencies, create better environments for people, uh, make towns more vir- envi- environmentally friendly, but also vibrant, uh, and also create the opportunities that our young people need to want to either stay here or even come, you know, come back to the island as, as well. And those are the benefits that one sets out when you deliver this kind of high level ambitious strategy. Mr. Speaker, I think, raised a a, a very pertinent point, which is that um, over the course of the last 10 or so years, uh, 
we've seen a, a fairly significant reduction in, in senior and middle management roles in government. What you're talking about here is, is really quite radical. How are you going to deliver this with a, a depleted civil service? Because effectively, you, you, you're expecting loads of new ideas and new strategies to be delivered by a civil service, which is perhaps creaking at the seams. I think, well, this is government can't deliver this alone. This is enabling people to succeed. And we have to do that. And we have to do that quickly. Uh, particularly when it comes to things like brownfield sites and housing and building and construction uh, for housing, apartments, p- places for people to to um, live. Uh, when we look at renewable programs, for example, we shouldn't just be consumed. This is just government, government, government. Uh, we need to enable the private sector to to successfully do a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, and of course, we put the right frameworks around that and regulations around that, then we can work very successfully in, in partnership where we've potentially gone wrong in the past. We've allowed sort of single entities, if you like, to dominate certain sectors. We need to, I think we've learned our lessons from that and we just need to be careful about how it's done. But this can be done by private sector investment um, and by having the right enablers in place to, to, to allow people to express themselves. There's this idea that everything has got to be done by government should be absolutely dismissed. I mean, that's why, for example, we've undertaken the strategic review of some of our brownfield sites and pushing government to let go of some of these brownfield sites because their strategic purpose is very, very unclear in terms of the long term. We're just holding sites around towns and around the island with no real potential vision or strategy for for the future so you know we can do this we can enable um, the private sector to do a lot of the heavy lifting for the benefit um, of the island and that's going to be the key not growing government to deliver but helping the private sector deliver and also um, when we come to growing um, certain sectors and you know we Getting the Department of Enterprise, for example, to look at some of supporting and enabling uh, our existing sectors to grow, but also growing new sectors. I want to see more targets supplied, more streamlined business agencies that are really focused on targeted deliverables around jobs and um, targets related directly to that sector that they are tasked with um, growing. And, And that is also a benefit of saying Things like you want a ten billion pound economy because you can then track that back into various sectors and start asking people to um, deliver. You're certainly talking the talk when it comes to cultural change across the civil service, and uh, I, I suppose uh, the what what's needed then is the delivery because effectively. Uh, part of the problem that many people see is that uh, civil servants have become so um, ingrained in, in a particular way of doing things and perhaps uh, scared or, or, or concerned that if they step too far outside of their brief, uh, they could end up being um, you know, criticised on the floor of Tinwell, potentially having their career uh, shortened. Um, how, how would you actually do that cultural change which is a fairly inhibited civil service, unwilling to take risk and un- unwilling to, to, to support uh, bold initiatives. Uh, how do you shift that to, to a, a more vibrant civil service like, like you've been describing that is uh, prepared to allow 
uh, initiative to to enable uh, the private sector to get on and and do the development to actually uh, free up the system? Well, first of all, they've got got to have the political leadership, will, uh, and and decision making process that enables them to do that. So they require uh, and need political decisiveness um, and, and and bravery, uh, I think, in order to be given that those indicators as the first step. The second point there is that a lot of this uh, actually, I think, is not necessarily about reluctance, it's about um, governance, making sure that uh, the ideas have, have got a robust um, thought process to them, that they have got uh, uh, at, at the heart of them a strong business case um, and that they are workable and we can uh, do that by ensuring that they get properly stress tested um, at departmental levels. That's, for example, why uh, on the back of the Dr. Ranson case tomorrow or today, even I'll be asking Timwell to support the concept of having non-executive directors on, on boards to help with that. But also then in terms of the overall departmental delivery, uh, I think there's weaknesses. You know, we've talked about culture. That's very much at the heart of that. But that comes down to a ingrained process of, I think, a failure to help people uh, move forward. Um, management structures that, that, that lead to uh, poor decision making and not listening to people on the ground who actually can see the problems. And you and I will know from our own, from your own experience, that if you go out and talk to, to workers on the ground, doctors, nurses, policemen, whatever, wherever they are, they, they can often see solutions to, to the problems. And, and we're not doing that successfully. And this is about, part about changing the, the workforce culture. We're, we're on that at the moment. I said there needed to be a turnaround within a 12-month period. And, uh, you know, that, that was targeted for next spring. We're doing that through assessment of the leadership, senior leadership, also through the uh, this human resources program that, that we've got uh, being undertaken at the moment. And I need to get everybody on message uh, with that, which I know the ministers are and I know that sen- the senior executives are. And finally, I'm, I'm aiming to bring this now. We're meeting once a month, not only just as the council ministers are meeting in conjunction with the chief officers as well. I want them to understand and be part of that political policy um, program so that we can actually have accountability together uh, rather than this just this constant separation between policy and, and, and delivery. We've got to start bringing that, that closer and there has to be targeted accountability and people answerable as to why things aren't happening or if a vision is being presented, what is going wrong in terms of the failure to, to deliver on that. You've talked in the past about a, a lazy uh, structure of, uh, in, in the civil service. I mean, uh, many civil servants would say, well, I'm not lazy, I'm working really hard. But uh, I suppose what you, what you mean is uh, that the system is, is, is not really fit for purpose. It needs, it needs uh, I suppose, a, a kick up the backside in some way uh, so that instead of being busy working out all the reasons to say no to a certain thing, civil servants are instead busy looking at all the reasons to say yes. That, that, that's pretty much what, what you were after, wasn't it? Well said, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, no, but I mean, you've got to have this can-do um, attitude and that needs to start filtering um, through. We've also got to take the responsibility for understanding where there is weakness in, in, in particular areas um, and set about changing that to help people make positive um, decisions. But yes, I think 
uh, when I said that government was lazy, I'm, absolutely, there are so many people in the civil service and across the public sector who work tremendously hard. Uh, and in fact, I th- tried to make this clear at the point. They are doing a fantastic job. It's the infrastructure around them, the way that government operates. It's the perhaps... You know, we, we, we're so busy sometimes, you know, saying this must be done, this must be done and failing, failing to to actually get the solutions driven from from the bottom up rather than it's, just, it's always top down. Um, and there are solutions that can be had by by making sure that we've engaged properly. And so, for example, when you take things like transformation programs, as anybody who's been involved in big transformation programs will tell you, it's probably just going to the staff and telling them, that's the way to do things in the future. They won't understand that unless you explain properly why things need to change and actually get them to understand. So this is when I'm talking about culture change, but also within that, I want to be bogged down in terms of doing, taking our eye off the ball, which is ultimately about delivering for the stakeholders, for the customer, for, for the people of this island. And we need to get back into the mindset of delivery and asking the questions, are, is what we are doing delivering results for people? You've lost two ministers and countless uh, chief executives over the course of the, the, the last, uh, well, since you, your administration has, has come into existence. Is it, is it you or, or is it just the, the, the pace that you're setting is, is, is too fast for, for, for some people to, to keep up with? I th- I mean, I think the, uh, well, let's just deal with the ministers first. I mean, David Ashford, as you know, clearly made, made that decision and we know the reasons why. So that that's completely separate. Uh, and Tim Crookle, um, sadly, has decided that, that you know, he he too feels that, that there are, uh, he, he for personal reasons, he doesn't want to work with, with the council of ministers in its current format. There's no issues with his, the policies or the leadership. Uh, as far as the best of my very best of my knowledge, and I'm sure Tim Tim will explain himself. So I think there's two two separate cases there in the ministers. And look, I said before, we're going through. We need to change. We need to change, and we need to get better outcomes. And government needs to uh, apply itself to tackling more effectively and efficiently the problems um, of today. For example, the housing program falling very much sort of behind the uh, behind the curve. Uh, renewable energy pr- programs that just haven't been delivering. Um, I think going back to, to what we've seen from from analysis and education system that because it hasn't been willing to t- to start tackling quality assurance and and targets now, according to KPMG, is behind benchmark when it comes to competitor jurisdictions. We have got to get back into a mindset of delivery, but that's not that is not the people at the coalface issue. Because many, as I said, everybody's working hard. We need to change the way that the overall culture get minds refocused back on delivery uh, and ensuring that we are working for uh, the people of this island in the most productive, efficient, effective way. But most importantly, we are getting real outcomes that, that matter. Is the planning system fit for purpose? We are working. So, that, so I, I made three major announcements yesterday. It's a bit on fortunate that they all came on on the same day but but you, you know we've just been trying to put together the detail the documentation the policy the policy headlines the targets within all this so yesterday i built, 
brought forward not only the economic strategy, underpinning that in many ways was the built environment reform program and our climate change action plan and roadmap and new target. Planning is very much at the forefront um, of what we are achieving to do. There are reforms set out in that built environment reform, a customer chart, a major applications, uh, a new major applications process. Um, We're strengthening the planning department. We're giving them more resources. We recognise that if we don't get a grip um, of, of planning, allowing the private sector to get on, particularly with major applications, with brownfield sites, then we are inhibiting ourselves as, as, as we move forward. That is, that is under review. That still needs to, to, to be put under proper scrutiny. I've got a question just around the governance and, and making sure that we are clear in terms of what happens and how it needs to be achieved. Um, but that reform program is underway now and is a national priority in terms of the built environment, um, as I've highlighted throughout this discussion. And what reassurance can you give to, to those people, you know, environmentalists, uh, people who have an interest in the built environment, uh, the, the historical integrity of, of, of the built environment, uh, communities, um, in, in terms of how, what sort of say they're going to have in the process. Um, when, you, when you make these bold announcements without huge amounts of detail associated with it, uh, people can start fearing the worst. Um, so can you give reassurance that this is not just a charter for developers to, to crack on and, and ignore all the, 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 the needs that uh, people people feel that the planning uh, system should deliver? Yeah, I, mean, I you know, the planning framework still needs to be enabled to allow people a proper proper say and proper input. That doesn't mean to say, but we do need to be in a position where we need to make decisions more uh, you know, in a firmer way, give people clearer pathways to what they are seeking to achieve. And I, and I think be clear with them at an early stage of the hurdles and barriers that they are facing rather than we end up with this long protracted process of a lot of money being invested, plans being submitted, plans being rejected, objections coming in. I think what we're going to try and do with this major applications process is go straight in with the with the developers and sit with them, look at their plans, uh, try and help them understand quickly what they need to do, where objections are likely to come, maybe who they wish to go and speak to and consult with at an early stage before we get right into the actual planning process. So we want solutions being delivered, I hope, to planning committees that pretty much tick um, the boxes uh, rather than these endless sort of battles that, that are taking place and are holding uh, back the island in in so many areas but by the same token Phil we've also I'm afraid going to have to make some better decisions based on future economic value uh, rather than just uh, on um, historical grounds that don't really contain substantial merit and you know we need to address that and I'm afraid that's never an easy uh, battle. But um, I think the important thing is, I think actually, uh, you know, but to push that argument to a, to a better place, there's dozens of sites across this island, um, from South Key on Douglas to Quayside on Ramsey to other other areas within the town, Summerland site, for example, which should be simple 
understandable projects for people to to deliver on and we need to provide and block whatever those blocks are that's stopping developers coming forward and 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 helping improve the vibrancy and of course building control and future sustainability and environmental um, considerations that now need to go into future building uh, projects of course have got got to be considered and they'll always always be part of our thought process as we look at building regs and and, and planning requirements we we've had a um, a low tax economy or a low top tax economic model uh, for about 60 years now um, over that uh, period the population has practically doubled um, and yet we we still have a deficit now p- perhaps uh, part of the problem here was from the late 90s through to the uh, early p- uh, mid part of the 2000s uh, we um, had effectively a low tax economic model propped up with a whole load of extra VAT money which allowed us to develop a high spending uh, culture across the civil service. I think the aspiration of the Manx public is for good high quality public services but with a low tax uh, economic model how can we actually do this? Uh, Now in the past uh, this has been addressed by uh, new residence drives. In essence this is pretty much what's happening here now. But unfortunately, they're, they're a, they, they tend to have a short-term impact and then we're left with the same problem because the, the new residents, the new economically active res- residents start to need services and then they start having to, you know, we have to then have to spend more money, which then means that the, the, the 200 million that you're hoping to get from the new economically active people uh, starts to be needed to be spent on health and education and so forth. How is this a particular strategy going to be different from um, new residence drives in, in the past? I think the problems that you are alluding to are with us anyway. Park ambitious economic programmes, which we absolutely need, but but put those aside, we are going to battle with this uh, issue. And it's forever a programme of government or forever a desire of government to make sure that we're delivering the highest quality of services but along the way we've got to find the money to be able to do that and there's always going to be competing stresses and strains within public financing um, and you know, we, we're facing considerable challenges right right now today um, when, when it comes to our uh, taxation income versus our expenditure and that has been compounded by sort of direct and indirect spending of about 300 million pounds when it comes to the covid um situation the need of for a sort of recovery program and bear in mind things are sort of slowly but surely starting to get back on 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 their feet um but probably not at the pace needed to bring us straight back in into balance and you know pre-covid i think uh you know it was actually a relatively simplistic job to understand how we continue to take things forward post-covid it's a different ball game for um alex allenson and taxation strategy how we uh, uh the balance of payments if you like how that's comp- comp- comprised and and where that money is coming from is is, is part of this um program and, and we have to be uh acknowledging that you know our balance of payments predominantly comes from employment from from individuals um, and so we need to reassess that. There's also revenue streams, Phil. The exciting part within this uh, economic strategy is that there are additional revenue streams that we can bring on to the island, for, particularly from renewable energy um, programs that will help bolster uh, 
uh, our overall income levels and will provide us that extra additional money that we need to put into growing bills when it comes particularly to to healthcare and healthcare transformation and but getting on top of the efficiency needed but the standard needed um, and the infrastructure needed for, 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 for all these public services is is an ongoing battle we've set out in our island plan how we're tackling that and it's going to be uh, a continual um, assessment of needs priorities and targeted approach in these areas that we've set out as I say in our island plan final question for me and this is a gentle lob to you chief minister um, the the Cannon household will be sitting down, at, hopefully at uh, Christmas time, to celebrate. What are the the key achievements that you are hoping uh, you'll be able to celebrate by the time by the end of this calendar year? I think we will have brought focus uh, and targets to to government. Um, we will have delivered a, programs of work, a continued program within healthcare transformation. We will have seen our quality assurance program being defined for education. Uh, I hope leading to better educational standards. We will have started to improve culture um, within government and we will have seen improvements to the planning process, for example, uh, in terms of the major applications process, gov- gov- uh, customer charters, um, and we will see progress on in, in the built um, environment, as well as, I hope, reflecting on what has been a positive uh, season uh, for our our tourism industry and sort of some of our smaller businesses and 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 entrepreneurs that that we have on the island. So there will be, of uh, course, celebrations, Phil. But uh, you know, but behind the scenes, uh, we know and recognise that we are also tackling serious problems for people, uh, cost of living problems, uh, and we will be delivering solutions in that respect for. Uh, example in terms of supporting those who are going to be most impacted and most vulnerable to what is going to be a very harsh uh, winter. So there's, you know, yes, of course, there will be things too that we can reflect on progress, but there will also be very real challenges facing our community and the government will be looking to shape up and meet those challenges and help our community through a difficult winter. Well, thank you, Chief Minister, for giving up your time in in what is obviously a very, very busy time for you. Thank you, Phil. That was Chief Minister Alf Cannon telling us what his government's goals and ambitions are. The Chief Minister is clear on what's needed, but is he right? Is his government all spin and glitzy brochures, or is there real substance to what he says? Whatever you think, you really should take the opportunity to engage with government if you want your views to help shape the future of our island. The full interview is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. Please get in touch with Phil Gorn at manxradio.com and let me know your thoughts and views on the programme. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn. Good Thanks for listening. <laughs>